0: And I'd like to share for a few minutes, as we always have, like I said before, Jewish holidays. Jewish holidays come in cycles, as we know. In the spring, there are four Jewish holidays. Anyone know those four? There is Palm Shabbat. It's a Messianic congregation, so we change things here, you you know? You thought it was Palm Sunday. Actually, it was Sunday. He came down, but we we like to call Palm Shabbat. Anyway, so he came down on Palm Shabbat, and then we see Passover, and then three days after Passover is the Jewish holiday of first fruits. People say to me all the time, do you celebrate that holiday that begins with an E? And I say, we don't even mention the E word here, but we do say holiday of first fruits. Okay, if you don't know what I'm saying, it's Easter. Um, anyway, Easter is a pagan holiday. We don't celebrate that. But we do celebrate the Jewish holiday of First Fruits, was the, which is the resurrection of our Messiah. And then a couple of weeks later, actually seven weeks later, is a Jewish holiday called Shavuot, four of them. Then in the wintertime, and it's really not the... I'm sorry, the springtime, we get the three Jewish holidays clumped together, and that's Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, We also do Semchas Torah, but that's man-made, and we just throw that in. But there are some man-made, we throw them all in. And in the wintertime, there are two. No, there's one I'm not mentioning, right, because I don't know where to put it, but that's Purim, but we're not going to go there. Anyway, in the wintertime, which really doesn't start until December 21st, which is today, uh, we really celebrate usually two Jewish holidays. Uh, One is, and neither of them are actually commanded by God. Neither of them. The first one is found in the Bible. It's called Hanukkah. And that's a story about God delivering our people through the Maccabees, destroy, defeating the Antiochus and the Syrians. And that took place. Uh, we already talked about that. But that takes place at, at this time. Now, that's not mentioned in the Bible as a command. But we do see that we the Yeshua celebrated that holiday. We do see it mentioned. How many times in the Bible? Four. Four. Okay, those of you who it now, it's four. It is four, okay. You want to know where, talk to me later. Anyway, there's four times and I'll show you. Uh, the name is not. It's only mentioned once the name, which is dedication in, in John 10. But anyway. And then there's the other Jewish holiday that nobody knows when it is. Now, the world thinks they know when it is. They think it's, what's it, the, this Wednesday. But nobody knows. The Lord hid that from us. We have no idea when Yeshua, our Messiah, was born. Yeshua never celebrated his birthday. The disciples not cele- never celebrated his birthday. Nobody celebrated his birthday. Maybe he didn't want us to celebrate his birthday. I'm not doing... Telling- I know, a lot of controversy. There's mixed feelings on this. All kinds of mixed feelings. All you have to do is watch uh, uh, O'Reilly every night. And you'll find... And you'll see the mixed feelings about the, this holiday. It's uh, not biblical. It's biblical. We should do it. We shouldn't do it. It's pagan. It's got pagan roots. That's all. But you know, as someone once said to me, as Jewish people, why shouldn't we remember the birth of Messiah? It's so Jewish. It is, Olba. It's Jewish. It speaks about the Messiah. It speaks about the Messiah coming to Earth. It speaks about Him fulfilling the Jewish prophets. It's so Jewish. So we, I, I you know, people say, well, you should celebrate it. I said, okay. How about if we celebrate it in July? Oh, well, no, no, no! Don't do that. Anyway, we celebrate it every week. Actually, this the birth of Messiah. That's why we're here. Messiah came to earth. He was born here and he was resurrected. So we do celebrate. So there's mixed feelings. And of course, we know that in the fourth century with Constantine and and the, quote, uh, Roman Empire, they combined it with a winter uh, pagan holiday. And so that's that's where people, you know, have the bad feelings. Some celebrate it. But we I, I don't, want, don't want to use the word I want to be politically correct here some celebrate bad and wrong you know tinsel and gifts and they leave Messiah out of it and it, it has really it's just an occasion for a party but others do it nice you know what I mean by nice is they remember Messiah came to earth he was born God gave us we should give others there's a good way to remember birth of Messiah and there's a Bad way to remember birth of Messiah. We as Jewish people, we play it down because we weren't raised with it too much. Except during this time of the year, we like to put out the Hanukkah blue bushes here. And we put out the blue and white trees. To, just to remind ourselves of the uh, Jewishness of this holiday. But the holiday really, it's all about Yeshua. It's all about Messiah. It's about the question, who is the Messiah. Should we ask that question? Who is Yeshua? Who is the Messiah? Questions they ask. People have asked me. They've said to me, How did you find the Messiah? How did you become involved with Yeshua? How did you what was your search? And there was a search. And the reason I use the word search, because the story, you can find it in the Bible many different places, Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Luke 1, Luke 2. But the story is really a Jewish story about a Jewish search. For the Messiah. That was. I searched for the Messiah. Many many people have searched for the Messiah. And in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to see. uh, A searching for the Messiah. Should we search for the Messiah? Should we ask about the Messiah? The great great. One of the greatest Jewish philosophers of all time. Maimonides. Lived about a thousand years ago. He, He gave us what we call in Judaism. The 13 principles of faith. Uh, All Judaism revolves around this Jewish philosopher a thousand years ago who made 13 principles of faith. One of his principles was this. He says, and they all begin the same way. I believe with perfect faith. And so one of his 13 says this. I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah. It is a Jewish concept, the Messiah. And we should seek for the Messiah. We should search for the Messiah. All people whether they're Jewish or not, because the Messiah really in Jewish literature and Jewish uh, history is all about a redeemer, a savior, one who would make things right. And so Maimonides said that, you know, the Messiah would come and make the world right. So we, Matthew asked the question, what should we do with the Messiah? We should search for him. What do we do when we find him? So in your outlines, take this out and just fill it in. The main thought of what Matthew is trying to tell us in Matthew 2 is this. He says, no, no, we'll back up on main idea. You pushed it too quick. No, you can't go back up. Finding the Messiah, finding the Messiah should cause us to receive him, believe in him, receive him, and worship him. When you do find him, there should be a reaction. And we're going to see that when someone did find the Messiah after their search, that's really what we're talking about here this morning. Everyone look up here. There was a search And then after they found him, there was a reaction. And that's what Matthew's really saying. We should seek the Messiah. And when we find him, we should believe in him. We should receive him. And we should worship him. So we see, follow along now in your outlines. If you have them, Matthew tells us that we should seek and search for the Messiah. Now, I believe all people should seek and search for the Messiah. I really do. You know me. I divide the world into two big bubbles. The bubble on the left. Trying not to be political are the non-believers. But anyway, and the bubble on the right here are the bubble of believers. Everyone should seek for the Messiah. Believers, you say, well, I found the Messiah. Yeah, you found him, but you should seek for a better relationship with him. You should seek him day in and day out. You should seek to have a really personal relationship with him. He's not just something extra on the side. He should be the center of your life. The people on this side, they don't care. They're not searching, but they should be. Because Messiah... Jewish or Gentile, is the answer for life. That's why God sent the Messiah. So Matthew tells us first, we're going to see here, that we should seek for him. And he says there were some wise men. The wise men searched for the Messiah. Follow along. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now after Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, now, just to set it straight for you, just so you have a chronology here. It's first mention is, the first mention. when you're thinking chronology, think Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 speaks about a prediction for the coming of the Messiah. First, there would be John uh, the Immerser, John would come. But there's a prediction of the Messiah in Luke chapter 1. Matthew chapter one. This is easy to follow. Everyone look up here. Luke one, Matthew one. Matthew one tells us the Messiah was conceived. And we see how he was conceived as the prophets told us he'd be conceived. Then we go back to Luke chapter two, we see the Messiah was born. So Luke chapter one was pre- Matthew one, he was predicted. Um yeah. Luke one, he was conceived. Matthew two, or did I get it right? Luke one predicted. Matthew one he was conceived. Luke chapter two, follow along. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the family of David so we see Joseph and Miriam uh, went from Galilee they went toward Jerusalem and they stopped in Bethlehem and that's where Messiah was born uh, and we see the account in Luke chapter 2. But now Matthew takes it a little bit after that. That's where we are here. And follow along now. In Matthew chapter 2, Matthew's explaining. what. Now, we've, we've done Matthew a few years ago. The purpose of the book of Matthew is to prove, make a case that Yeshua is the Messiah, the King of Israel. That's what Matthew does. Everything in his book. Every, all the other gospels give you a chronology. Matthew doesn't do it. He does it in themes. He does it, his, his whole book is not chronology, but he does it in themes. And the beginning is he, he introduces the king of Israel, the Messiah, in the first four chapters. So he's making a case for him. And so we read here in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the birth of Messiah. Now, when I read this story years ago, when I read it, at first, I didn't think it sounded too Jewish. And being raised Jewish, I wanted a Jewish story. But then the more I researched it, I found out how really Jewish it was. Follow along with me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. Now, I have to tell you this. When I hear Bethlehem, I don't think Jewish. You go there today, actually we don't go to Bethlehem there. They have a, an olive wood store and you know, and it's, a pretty, it's not a great place to go visit. But, but when, I, I, when I take our trips to Israel, we don't go into Bethlehem because it's, uh, you're taking your life in your own hands. But we don't go there. I go to the fields of Bethlehem and I take you to the fields of Bethlehem and see what happened When they mentioned Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, this is like mentioning Orthodox Judaism in Jerusalem or in New York. The word Bethlehem did not... See, to me, Bethlehem is... Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, see, that's the battle of singing I'm going to get. So I don't think very Jewish. But in those days, it was very, very Jewish. When they heard the word Bethlehem, they thought of their father Jacob coming back from Haran and coming back to the land of Israel with his beloved Rachel. And who he loved so much. He had Rachel and Leah. And Rachel on the way back passed away. And he buried her in Bethlehem. It was a Jewish village. It was a Jewish town. When I take you to Bethlehem. We go to the fields. And and you look over their fields. And I try to imagine. I try to tell you. There is a a pagan. A Gentile woman from Moab. Actually. And she came over here. And I want you to picture in those fields. You see Boaz. And you see Ruth. In the fields there, gleaning the harvest of so the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. This was a very Jewish scene. And Boaz, of course, and Ruth became the great-great-grandparents of David, who was the king of Messiah. So when you think of Bethlehem, you think of the fields. And I, and, and I like to stand right out there and look at the fields. I think of Jacob and Rachel. And I think of Boaz and Ruth. Then I think of, just not long after that, a little, little Davy. little Davy playing in those fields. And playing his guitar, all right, his harp, whatever, okay, and taking care of his little sheep and goats. And I think of David running around in the fields of Bethlehem. That's what it's supposed to signal to you. And then after that, you think of shepherds taking care of the Passover lambs, possibly in the fields. And all of a sudden, an angel appearing to them and singing a song to God on high that the Messiah is going to be born. The word Bethlehem. house of bread is such a Jewish phrase. Now 2,000 years have been able to you know, cover over it but it is a Jew. that's what it was. It was a Jewish message and that's what Matthew is trying to tell us here. It's a great, a great association of the good old days and Matthew says in verse 1 now after Yeshua was born in Bethlehem sometime after in Judea and the days of heard the king now In the Bible, you hear of Herod, 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 this one, Herod, Antipas, Herod, Archelaus, Herod, Agrippa, Herod, this one, a million Herods. But when you think of Herod, you really should think of this one. This is what they call Herod the Great. He's the one who started the Herod dynasty. He was the first of all of them. There was none, and I hate to use the word great, as great as him, or as powerful as him, or as sick and demented as him either. But he was the first of all the Herods. So you're going back 2,000 years. And they're saying back to the days of... And, and this is interesting here. Because he was the king over Israel at this time. But the Jewish people did not like him. Let me give you... If you want to take a quick note here. A little bit about Herod. He's called Herod the Great. He was born about 70 years before Yeshua. Herod. About 73. And he died right after Yeshua was born. A couple years after him. Probably around 4 BCE. He was, he was made king by Rome. Rome appointed this man king over the land of Israel at that time. Rome appointed him as the king. And then uh, uh, somewhere around 40 BCE, he became king. So he became king. And then within three years, by 37, he'd killed off everybody who was challenging him. Actually, Herod, that's what he did mostly. He killed people. Okay, he was a great administrator. He was a great builder. Everywhere you go in Jerusalem, actually Sorry. Everywhere you go in Israel, with me or on any tour, everywhere you go, Herod, Herod, Herod. That's all you say. You go to the temple, you see Herod. You go to the Antonio Fort, you see Herod. You go to everywhere you go, you're going to see Herod. You go to the ancient Caesarea, Herod. Everywhere you go, you go to Masada, Herod. He built everything. He was a great builder. But he was paranoid, as we would say today. Paranoid, schizophrenic. And he thought everyone was trying to kill him. They might have been. but So instead of them killing him, he killed everybody else. Everybody. He killed his wives. He killed his children. He certainly killed his enemies. He was about to die. And he told his leaders, when I die, and he gave a list of hundreds of Jewish people who are going to rejoice. He says, when I die, you have to kill them all. After I'm dead. Of course, they didn't do that command. But anyway, uh, Herod was a bit of a madman. He was uh, what we call, the, here's the controversy over him. He's what we call an Idumean. His father uh, Antipater was from Edom. His mother was what they call a Nabatean. Not important, but they they lived about a hundred years before he was born. And, uh, well, no, not a hundred years before he's born. But uh, his father it was a wealthy, wealthy man. And his father and his mother, actually, what they did, this group of people, they joined, they mingled with the Jewish people, they converted to Judaism. They followed Jewish people. So some people consider them Jewish. But the Jewish people did not really consider them Jewish. And they so Herod where he tried to say he was Jewish. And he was part of the Jewish kingdom. They thought he was a usurper. And uh, his family was extremely wealthy. He was greatly gifted in what we call politics. Here you have someone's going to become emperor of Rome. And you have two people. If the emperor dies. There's a lot of people trying to become the next emperor. So Herod was great friends with Mark Ant- Anthony. And uh, Augustus, he was also on the, possibly the next Caesar. And so when the Caesar died, Augustus became king. What happens to Mark Anthony and all his followers? They kill them all. So, but Herod was one of those great ability, uh, people who said, I'll be loyal to you. And they let him live. He was what they call gifted in politics. And so he was favored by everybody. Uh, he was loyal to Rome. Like I said, he was a great administrator. He was hated and feared by everybody. And you need to get that feel when you talk about Herod. He loved power. He taxed the people. He was very, very good for famine and relief in Israel. He built every, uh, many buildings. His, uh, uh, he was um, ill, paranoid. His foes, they admired him, but they realized he was cruel. And he, was, uh, he is rageful and jealous. And he killed everybody. So, so now we have an idea in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. During the days of Herod, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now the question again, when we hear Magi, what are we thinking of? What you should think of is you should think of in the far east near Babylon, hundreds of years before, there was a group of people, Daniel wrote about them, the Magi. They called them conjurers. They called them magicians. They called them, it was a special priestly line from media. About hundreds of years before, 500 years before in the time of Daniel. And these were a priestly line of people. And they were like kings. They were like kingly figures, the magi. Daniel spoke of them. They interpreted dreams. They were, they were a priestly group. Uh, they, they studied astrology, astronomy, magic books. They spoke about the future. They, th- they, they read Jewish literature hundreds of years before from uh, Daniel. They read the Jewish books. And they were anticipating a king. Hundreds of years before People in the east, in Babylon, were anticipating a king coming to Israel. And so around this time, the Magi heard about it and they came. The search is on for who is the Messiah. That's really what's taking place in Matthew chapter 2. The Magi came and there was, there was a tremendous search because they're all expecting the Messiah. The Magi were looking for them, the Jewish people. They did not, they did not look for him at all. So we, we read now in verse 2 whereas he was born king of the Jews they're looking for the the king of the Jews here for we saw his star in the east now there's again there's all kinds of discussion on the star in the east remember the star the, the magi were in the east and the star possibly was more toward the west it followed them but they saw it in the east and the magi came now, a lot of times, if I go around here, I'd say, what is that star? And I have a lot, there's all kinds of answers what the star is. Some people say, well, it was supposed to be Jupiter and what was the other? Uh, I have it right here. Jupiter and Saturn. They were, were near each other and built brilliant light shone in the sky. It's a nice explanation. It's probably not the case. Some people say it was what they call supernova, an explosion. Pro- probably not, but it could have been. It could have been an explosion. Others say it was Halley's Comet. Halley's comet was around that time, a couple of years before, actually. So they, they don't think it was Halley's comet either. Some people say it was just a star that was shining, and since they were looking for it and looking for the signs, they thought it was. We don't know. I'm not going to give you an answer. Some people could say it was the glory of God. Could have been. Some people say it was an angel. Could have been. You could all have your own theory what it was. But let me just tell you, when you hear Matthew say "star," This is what you should think. Because the Bible speaks about a star. The Bible speaks about the seed of Abraham. The Bible speaks about the king of Israel. The Bible speaks about the coming Messiah. They're all the same. Anytime you hear seed, star, king, Messiah. That's what it was trying to portray. A Messiah was coming. A savior. Someone who was going to bring order to the world. And so they saw the star in the east and they came to worship him these magi came from the east now what i want to give you if i can very briefly or at least jot it down some of the verses that speak about this concept of the seed and it's really it's a really fun study but so but follow along with me in genesis it begins genesis three fifteen, where god makes the first promise of the messiah it really says this speaking to adam and eve i will put enmity between you and the woman That was be seen Satan and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. He, her seed. That's really the Messiah. Will bruise you on the head. Will crush you. That's the first mention of a everyone. Seed, star, king, Messiah. I associate all the four words together. We see that in the scriptures. Genesis 12, 3. God saying to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you I will curse. And in you. We're going to see in his seed. All the families of the earth will be blessed. God repeats it, Genesis 22, 17. God says, indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply. Your seed is the stars of the heavens and the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemy. Now, so God made a promise to Abraham. And God said to Abraham, you're going to have many, many children. And one of your chil- children, one is going to be the star. One's going to be the seed, the promise. One's going to be the king. One's going to be the Messiah. Of his children that came from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of those sons, the star was going to come from. Genesis 49. Judah. That's the tribe. Everybody look up here if you don't know. Jacob had 12 sons. You all know who they are. They're Reuben. Oh, this is dangerous. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, Gad, Issachar, Naphtali, Joseph, and Benjamin. Okay, good. So that made up the nation of Israel. One of those, one of those 12 was going to have a child who's going to be the star. Who's going to be the king. Who's going to be the Messiah. Who's going to be the seed to bring hope to the world. And we see that here. Judah, the tribe. Judah, your brothers, they will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of all your enemies. Your father's son will bow down to you. You're going to be the king, Judah, from you, the lion of Judah. Judah's a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you have gone up. Judah couches. This is very, very interesting language that Moses gives us throughout the first five books. He says the king's sort of going to couch like a lion. He's going to crouch down. He's going to rule. He's going to be powerful. He says he will couch down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him? The scepter, the ruling rod, will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler stand from between his feet until the Messiah comes. I know you just see the word Shiloh. That in Jewish literature meant the Messiah. It means the one whose right it is to rule. It's mentioned also in Ezekiel. And Jewish people knew the word Shiloh really meant the Messiah. So it says, um, where was I? I got lost. Okay, yeah. Uh, the scepter will not leave Judah, the king will not leave Judah, nor the ruler stare from between his feet until the Messiah comes. And to him, everyone shall obey him. Now we see the same concept that God promised to Abraham through Judah. Now we see it developed even further by Moses in the book of Numbers. It's probably my favorite prophecy in the Bible. You know the story. Uh, Balak, the king of Moab, wanted to curse the Jewish people. And they they were too big for him. And he saw them, so he says, let's curse them. Let's get this guy, this prophet, Balaam, to come down and curse these people. If Balaam curses these people, I will defeat them. Moab's army, Moab's king, will kill Israel's army, Israel's king. All we need is a good curse from Balaam. So they bring Balaam down and we see there's four times he attempts to curse the Jewish people. And I always joke, and Balaam came down, the First, time, he wanted wealth and money. We see that. And he died because of it. But Balaam comes down and Balaam tries to curse the people. All he has to do is pronounce a curse and he's rich. So Balaam comes down and he says, I could ca- bless you. I thought I was trying to say the word. Okay. And Balaam comes the second time and says, I could ca- bless you. Couldn't get it out. Then later on, he says, he stops going to God. He tries on his own. He says, I don't need God. He's, he's not working for me. So I could bless you. Still couldn't come out. This man couldn't curse. It was a confrontation between Moab's king, or really the kings of the world, and Israel's king. Ma- uh, Numbers chapter 23 is beautiful. We see, we see the, uh, the blessings or the curse here. It says, He took up his discourse. And he said from Aram, which is really Syria, Balak has brought me, Moab's king, from the mountains of the east. Come, he says, curse Jacob for me. That was what I was just telling you. Come curse his people for me. Come curse, denounce Israel. And he says, how can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? As I see him from the tops of the rocks, I look at him from the hills. Behold, a people who dwells apart and will not be reckoned among the nations. He couldn't curse the Jewish people. He wanted to. The king of uh, Moab, uh, Balak, says, I will give you wealth and riches and homes and everything. Just curse them. I curse you. Couldn't say it. Couldn't get it out. So Balak freaks out. He tries it. Balaam tries it a second time. And we see Numbers 23. Behold, I received a command to bless. When he is blessed, then I cannot revoke it. He couldn't revoke the curse. He has not observed misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord is God is with him. The shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt He is for them like the horns of a wild ox. You see, Balaam starts to say, I saw this people, God brought them out of Egypt. This people is a mighty, powerful people. God is blessing those people. He's brought them out of Egypt. Now, you got to understand what he's doing. You watch. Numbers 23. I think it's verse 23. Yes, good. There's no omen against Jacob. There's no divination against Israel. At the proper time, it will be said uh, to Jacob and Israel what God has done. Behold, a people rises like a lion. You have to listen to the language that he's saying. If people are going to rise, the people will be like a lion. As a lion, it lifts itself. It will not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of this lion. This people will destroy your people. That's what Balaam was saying. This people is going to destroy your people. And now in chapter 24 of this, he does a little switch. He stops talking about the people and he starts speaking about the representative of the people, the one who will lead the people. He starts speaking about the seed, the star, the king, the Messiah, because they're so closely identified. And he speaks, Numbers chapter 24, it's a great, great prophecy. It says, "How." How fair are your tents, O Jacob. Speaking about the nation of Israel. Your dwellings to Israel. Like valleys that stretch out like gardens beside the rivers. Like aloes planted by the Lord. The cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from Israel's bucket. Blessings will flow from the nation of Israel. Something's going to flow from his bucket. And his, Israel's seed. He switches now from the nation of Israel to one. In this prophecy. And he said his seed will be upon many waters. And his king is going to be higher than your king. His king's going to arise. His kingdom will be exalted. He continues. God brings him out of Egypt. I love this prophecy. Because just before the chapter before. God says of Israel. God brings Israel out of Egypt. One chapter later. God says God brings him out of Egypt. Yeshua went down to Egypt. And God brought him out. Now, for the nation of Israel, the one who's representing Israel is going to be the king, the Messiah, the seed, the star. He is coming. And you know, that's what the people in Babylon saw. That's what the Magi saw. Daniel wrote about all these things. And so they came looking for the king. And look what it says. Um, where was I there? Yeah. He um, he is like, uh, if God brings him out of Egypt, he is like the horns of a wild ox. He will devour the nations who are his adversaries. He will crush through their bones in pieces, shatter them with his arrows. He couches. God just said that of Israel. Now he's speaking about the Messiah. The Messiah will couch. As a lion, he lies down. As a lion, who dares rouse him? Behold, he is, uh, blessed is everyone who blesses you. Cursed is everyone who curses you. Then the great prophecy in 16, 17. We read it this morning. The oracle of him who hears the words of God. Who knows the knowledge of the most high. Who sees the vision of the almighty. Falling down yet having his eyes uncovered. This is what Balaam says. The great prophecy. Numbers 24, 17. I see him. But not now. I love the prophecy. 17. I see him but not now. I behold him but not near. He's coming, but not yet. A star shall rise from Jacob. Scepter, the ruler's rod, shall rise from Israel and he will crush through the forehead of Moab. You will not defeat him, but he will defeat you. He will tear down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be a possession. Seer its enemies also will be a possession. While Israel performs valiantly. One from Jacob shall have dominion. And we'll destroy the remnant from that city. You see the search is on. In Matthew chapter 2. Who is this Messiah? The Magi came from the east. They were searching for him. What did the Magi want to do? They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the seed. They were looking for the star. They wanted to worship him. But they had to find him. King Herod was looking for him too. When you read Matthew 2. Look with me. King Herod searched for the Messiah. Everyone had their own reasons. For searching for the Messiah. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And now you have to understand when you read those words when Herod was troubled, you were troubled. If Herod was happy, you were happy. If he was troubled, you were troubled. He was troubled. Why was Herod troubled? Because he was the king. Someone said, I, Your son's going to be the next king, so he kills his son. If Herod was troubled, you were troubled. Now, what did Herod hear? Someone is born. The star, the seed, the king, the Messiah. In Israel, Herod was paranoid. He wanted to kill him. Herod was searching for him. So it says when he saw him, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. He gathered together the Jewish people, the priests, the scribes, the people. He inquired of them, where was the Messiah to be born? He gathered the Jewish leaders together. And he said, so where is the Messiah going to be born? They would know. And that's what he was asking them. In Matthew 2 and they gave him an answer we're going to see that in a minute but then afterwards he also got the Magi together you see he wanted to find this child so he said to the Magi so tell me and there it is Matthew 2 7 he secretly called the Magi determined from them the exact time the star appeared and he sent to them to Bethlehem and said go search for the child carefully And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Herod did not want to worship him. Magi was seeking to worship him. King Herod was seeking to kill him. Everybody throughout history, we see many, many people searching for the Messiah. Great. One of my favorite stories, you know it well, you've heard me repeat it all the time, is the movie, the book, Ben-Hur. If you haven't read it, you should. If you haven't seen the movie, you should. A little harder to read it, so language is a little difficult most amazing story you can imagine it was written by a man by Lou Wallace everyone anyone ever hear you all hear Ben-Hur it's the story not of Ben-Hur it tells us here Ben-Hur a tale of the Messiah that's what it really is and how Judah Ben-Hur intersects with him Lou Wallace he was a lawyer too he went to, he was actually a general in the civil war, he was, he had all kinds of uh, honors bestowed upon this man, but he was fascinated with a person, a Messiah, and he wrote this book searching to find out more about him. And he came to believe that Yeshua was the Messiah, an attorney. There was another attorney by the name of Frank Morrison. He wrote a book called, Who Moved the Stone? This lawyer determined he was going to find out and prove Yeshua was a liar. A charlatan. He was not the real Messiah. So Frank Morrison, his great attorney, a couple years back wrote this great book, Who Moved the Stone? You see, everyone's got their own reasons for looking for Messiah. Frank Morrison wanted to prove him a fake. Instead, Frank Morrison fell down and worshipped him. Following your outlines. Jewish leaders, I said, Magi searched for him, the wise men. Herod searched for him to kill him. See, Jewish leaders should have searched. For him. Why? Now this is important. Everyone look up here. The Jewish leaders should have been searching for him. Because Daniel wrote about him. Because they knew better. Back then. All the Jewish community should have known. Messiah was coming. It was predicted. They knew that. I struggle. Day in and day out. I share with Jewish people. They ask me. Larry. How do you believe this nonsense? How did you get involved with this? My Jewish people should know better. Today. Because the Jewish prophets, the Bible teaches us the Messiah would come. Our Jewish people should be searching as well for the Messiah. They should know better. Look what he says. The the Jewish leader said in Matthew 2. They said to Herod, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judah. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And they quote an old covenant book. The book of Micah chapter 5. And it says, but you Bethlehem land of Judah are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will will shepherd my people Israel. This is written in the Jewish Bible, what we call the Tanakh, the Old Covenant Scriptures. Jewish people back then should have known better. Jewish people today should know better. When I get in conversations with Jewish people today, they say, why or how can you believe such nonsense? You know what I tell them? I I tell them how I grew up in the synagogue. I tell them that I had my bar mitzvah. I was raised in a Jewish home. But then one day, someone made me read the Jewish Bible. And you know, I said, listen, if I'm going to read the Bible, it's going to be my book, not your book. Which meant I'm going to read the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Because back then I thought the New Testament was not a Jewish book. I found out later it was a very Jewish book. But I'm not going there right now. So I'm going to read the Old Covenant. And so they turned me in my Bible. Now it's funny because when they turned me in the Bible. You know what I was saying to myself? I'm not going to believe a thing they say anyway. I didn't want to believe it. I wasn't searching. But they made me read my Bible. And they basically said what I'm saying. Our Jewish people should know better today. Micah chapter 5. I just quoted it in the new, but now let's go 700 years before Yeshua was born. Micah 5.2 says this, the prophet Micah says, but as for you Bethlehem, he tells us which Bethlehem Ephratah? you're little among the mighty, mighty clans of Judah, the mighty great powers of Judah. Bethlehem, you're, too, you're a small little insignificant little village. You're too small to be of anything important. Yet from you, Bethlehem, one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. This is a phrase. This was after King David. This was a phrase that meant the Messiah, the king, the star, the seed. From you, Bethlehem, he's coming. That's what people say. Why doesn't the Bible, the Old Testament, say this? We all want a verse that says this in the Old Testament. Jesus is the Messiah. He would come. Give the date. He will be born in Bethlehem. He will be rejected by his people. I want one verse that says that. Then everyone would be convinced. No, they wouldn't. Because God does his story. He does his story of redemption. He weaves it throughout the scripture. That's what he does. That's always been God's design. You know why? God is amazing. He does things different than I would. I would make one or two verses that would clearly say, Jesus is the Messiah. Bethlehem, this, this, Miriam, everything. Right there, right there. One verse. God doesn't do it that way. You know why? I'll tell you why. This is exactly why. I'm telling you the Bible. God does it for those who want to believe. He opens your eyes. He does. Those who don't want to believe, He closes their eyes. I would do it the opposite. But He doesn't do it that way. Those who don't want to believe, He says, you don't want to believe? Fine. He won't let you be. He won't show it to you. Those who truly are honest and want it, He'll open your eyes. That's what He does. And anyone who's true and honest with himself, whether you're Jewish or not, you must see that this man, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. There's no doubt about it, unless you don't want to believe it. And these Jewish leaders were indifferent. They didn't want to believe. King Herod wanted to find him, to kill him. Look what it says, Micah says, one will go forth for you to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth, listen folks, in Hebrew, that's a phrase. It means, where did he really come from? This is what Micah's saying. The one born in Bethlehem, Where did he really come from? Well, I thought he was born a little child in Bethlehem. No, no, no. Micah's not saying that. Where was his origin from? His beginnings. You know what Micah says? He came from long ago. I think it's mimei olam. From the days of eternity. Has no beginning. Has no end. It's got to be God. That's what Micah's saying. God's coming, he's going to be born a little child in Bethlehem. The star, the seed, the Messiah, the king. Jewish people should have known. And he says, Micah, I'm sorry, Isaiah, writing around the same time as Micah. He says this verse, which I couldn't believe was in my Bible either. Therefore, God himself is going to give you a sign, a miracle. Behold, a virgin, an Alma, a virgin, a young woman, ripe, chaste pure, ready to be married. That's what it really means. Don't let anyone give you this thing It means young woman. It does mean young woman, but the real version means young woman, ripe, chaste, pure, ready to be married. That's a virgin today, folks. That's the best definition for it. And it was always translated virgin until Jewish commentator changed it about a thousand years ago. Uh, Behold, a virgin will be with a child. You see what God's doing? He's telling us in Genesis from Jacob's going to come a seed. He's telling us in uh, Numbers, he's going to be a star. He's telling us in Micah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's telling us in the prophet Isaiah, a virgin, a miracle, a sign, a miracle is going to happen. If you're honest, you have to see who this is. She's going to bear a son. His name is going to become Emmanuel. Then we read. This is a good one. I don't know how you can get around Isaiah chapter 9. Look what Isaiah 9 tells us. Isaiah 9. A child's going to be born to the Jewish people. Isaiah writing the same time as Micah, uh, around the same time as Micah. Child's going to be born to us. A son's going to be given to us. The government, the nation of Israel, the world government will rest on his shoulders. This is what we're going to call this child who's going to be born. Wonderful counselor, a name used for God. The mighty God. That's not an angel, folks. That's not a man. The child born in Bethlehem is going to be called the mighty God. I think it becomes clear and obvious to anyone who wants it. This was my search. This was what we said. Isaiah says, He would call the mighty God the Father of eternity and the Prince of peace. We should seek for Him. The Jewish people should have sought for Him. Herod went to, to kill Him. The Jewish leaders were indifferent. The Magi wanted to worship Him. What about us? We should search for the Messiah to believe and worship Him. This was my search. And I continued to search. And I went to Bible studies and I studied my old covenant. And it took me some, some years arguing and fighting and debating with these believers. A number, about two, two and a half years. And my search and quest, who is the Messiah? Can it be Yeshua? And let me tell you, after I saw Isaiah 7. And I saw Isaiah 9. And I saw Micah chapter 5. And eventually I also saw Psalm 22, his crucifixion. And I saw Daniel speaking about the time Messiah. After a while my search, I had a conflict inside. What do I do? Do I put my trust in him? Now, there's, there's another great story, and it's, it relates to us as well. Back in the 19th century, 1800s. there was this Jewish rabbi by the name of Leopold Cohn, a Jewish man, a rabbi from Hungary. And he always questioned about the Messiah. And then he was reading in his Talmud. This was his search. He was reading the Jewish writings, the Talmud. It said in the Talmud, there will be 2,000 years of confusion and void. And this rabbi said, "Ah, oh, it must be from the creation till the time of Abraham. This is just what he figured out. Then in the Talmud, not the Bible, the Jewish writings, said there'll be 2,000 years of law and order. And he goes, oh, it must be the time of Abraham for 2,000 years. Then he continues right? says, there'll be 2,000 years of Messiah. Huh? He starts thinking, this must mean a Messiah came 2,000 years ago. He thought the Messiah was alive and living in America. We laugh, but he did. He left Hungary and came to America. And he started a search looking for the congregation that had the Messiah. And he came to New York City There's a lot of fake messiahs there. But anyway, and he was walking through the streets and he saw Hebrew writing. And so he went in. He didn't know it was a New Testament biblical church that believed in Yeshua. And so they challenged him. And he studied Daniel. Now, you're not allowed to study Daniel because the Talmud says if you study Daniel, your bones will blow up. But this rabbi studied Daniel. He figured the one who wrote that, his bones didn't blow up. So this rabbi started studying Daniel. And he came to the conclusion that Yeshua was the Messiah this man? And he started his ministry on the lower east side in New York. And he started a ministry called Chosen People Ministries. And Chosen People Ministries is who I've been working with since 1974. And Chosen People Ministries planted Shuva Yisrael. And we are an independent congregation from that congregation. This man's search for the Messiah, a rabbi, he was searching for him. My search. One of my favorite scenes I, 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 I want to read it. I normally show it, but we can 't show it too well here. One of my favorite scenes I love the movie Ben Hur, and uh, there 's a couple good scenes there 's one figure throughout the whole movie is this old Jewish man by the name of balthazar and so Balthazar, this one older Jewish man, he comes to Jerusalem looking for the messiah and one day, Judah Ben-Hur, after he was with the Romans, and after he escaped, and after he was set free, and after he was made a son of Rome, he came back to Israel, Judah Ben-Hur. And he's lying on the ground there, and the palm trees are free on the breeze, and you see the blue sky, and you see the beautiful fields of Israel. And all of a sudden, he's just laying there because he's coming back to get his revenge against the evil Masala. And all of a sudden, this one man named Baltazar comes up and sees him and looks at him. And Balthasar is in his search. And Balthasar says to him, uh, forgive me. You're a stranger here. Would you be from Nazareth? It's a touching scene. You've got to see the movie. I can't do it here. But anyway, would you be from Nazareth? Uh, Charlton Heston looks up and says, why do you ask? He says, I thought you might be the one that I've come back from my country to find. He would be about your age. Ben-Hur looks up and goes, who? Who's he? He says, when I find him, I shall know him. And then they have another scene a couple minutes later. Ben-Hur is arguing with him because Ben-Hur wants revenge on evil Masala. And this Balthazar says, God will deal with the evil man in his own way. You don't have to get revenge. Judah Ben-Hur, he says, You're, you have all kinds of bitterness and anger. God will deal with him in his own way. And Ben-Hur says, I don't believe in miracles. And Balthasar says these words, but all life is a miracle. Will you not accept God's judgment? You do not believe in miracles, yet once God spoke to me out of the darkness and a star led me to a village called Bethlehem where I found a newborn child in a manger and God lived in his child. Balthazar looks at him and says, by now he is a grown man and I must must be ready to begin his work. That's why I've come back, returned from my country so that I could be at hand when he comes among us. Then he stops and he says, he's near. He saw the sunset this evening as we did. Perhaps he's standing in a doorway somewhere or on a hilltop. Perhaps he's a shepherd, a merchant, a fisherman, but he lives. And all our lives from now on will carry his mark. Then he says these words. There are many paths to God, my son. I hope yours will not be too difficult. You see, we're all in a search. Judah Ben-Hur was on a search. Maybe some of you are in a search. Sometimes it could take years. For me, it took two and a half years. I like to say all the evidence is in. And I like to ask people, is God speaking to you and leading you? There's many searches going on. And God is reaching out to them. We should be searching for the Messiah. And when we find him, what happens? Everyone follow along. We should worship the Messiah. We should worship the Messiah. The wise men found the Messiah. And I, I like these couple of words. Follow along with me here. 2 9. After hearing the king, these men, they went on their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them. And it came and stood over the place where the child was. They found the Messiah you've heard my story many times and probably it started in the late 60s, early 70s, my search. And I did search and I talked to the Messianic Jews. I talked to Messianic Gentiles and I argued and fought with them. And I studied the scriptures and I studied the prophets and I did not want to believe this way. I lived my own life. I was apart from them. And finally, January 15th, 1972, As some of you have heard that date. I went to a movie about Israel. Prophecy about Israel. The the movie was called Dry Bones. And I remember that night seeing the movie. And all the believers were there. And me back then. I looked different than I do today. They were all at this movie in somebody's big house. The movie was up here. I was lying on the floor here. It was the winter time. January 15th. I had my Parker jacket on. You know with a big hood. I also had a giant mustache in those days. I also had a big beard in those days. I also had long, I had hair. (laughs) It happened to be long. And I told you, the believers had a nickname for me. They were scared of me. They stayed away. They didn't witness to me too much. They called me the caveman. They were scared to death of me. But that night, I realized it was true. And a man stood up and said, How many tonight for the first time want to accept Yeshua as your Messiah? Raise your hand. And all of them started saying. The caveman raised his hand. The caveman raised his hand. (laughs) Let me tell you. That night. I found the Messiah. Really let me make it a little more theological sound. He found me. None of us find him. We think we do. We don't. He found me. Shortly thereafter. I started sharing my faith with my mom. Jewish American princess. Only (laughs) child father was a doctor spoiled Jewish woman the world revolved around my mom I started sharing with her she says no more don't you talk to me about that anymore I said okay I won't so then I'd go over her house and she would ask me questions and I would start sharing she goes I told you not to talk about it I said don't you ask but she always asked so I always told 16 years later, my Jewish mom prayed to receive the Messiah into her heart and life. She prayed with me and asked the Messiah. My dad's another story. He's an Orthodox Jewish man. He was the seventh of seven children from Europe. Orthodox. Morning and night for his whole life, he said the Shema Israel And I said, Dad, do you know what you're saying? He goes, no, but I have to say it. But anyway, he did it every morning and night. My Orthodox Jewish father, and I shared with him for 20 years Finally, after 20 years, my Jewish dad looked at me and goes, You're right. I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. See, Jewish people, they don't realize Jewish people all over the world are praying to receive the Messiah. My Jewish American princess, mother, my father, I love this book. You should get it. It's an encouragement. Good news. They put it out, but there's one special volume. It's called the Rabbi's Edition these are Jewish people that have accepted the Lord. And I want you to just hear there's one thing they all have in common. Listen carefully. I'm just going to give you their names. But you listen to what's, what is in common in all these names. It's hard to figure out. But listen. Rabbi Max Wertheimer. Rabbi Phillips. Rabbi Gerlin. Rabbi Levi. Rabbi Cohn. Rabbi Berg. Did you get all the common things? Rabbi Freshman. Rabbi Lichtenstein. Very Gentile name. Rabbi Benedict. Rabbi Jacobs. Rabbi Eliakim. Rabbi, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Rabbi Stern. Rabbi Frank. Rabbi Isaac. Rabbi Isaac. Z- book of the Rabbis. Rabbis in the 19th century that prayed to receive the Messiah. Great book realize many people think this is the time when Jewish people are getting saved today the real time is the end of the 19th century hundreds of thousands of Jewish people had accepted the Lord rabbis had accepted the Lord the turn of the cent- uh, 20th century here we see famous people you might you may have heard of some of them you might not but David Baron, Benjamin Disraeli Alfred Edersheim Felix Mendelssohn anyone listen to the classical station Felix Mendelssohn Joseph Rabinowitz, Max Wertheim, famous Jewish people that prayed to receive, because it is Jewish to believe in the Messiah. I won't read the names, but this book is Jewish doctors that met the Messiah. Jewish people all over the world have met the Messiah. They have found the Messiah. What do they do? What do you do in this passage when you meet the Messiah? Let me tell you, just fill it in. They rejoiced. Look what it says. When they saw the star, when they found the Messiah, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. On January 15th, 1972, I prayed to receive the Messiah. I became a wild man. I became out of control when I came to find the Messiah. You couldn't stop me. I would share my faith with everyone. I didn't have the best wisdom or tact. I would drive my vega, 1972 vega. I would drive my vega down the streets with the windows open. The windows open back then. You would roll. Anyway, and I would call out the window, Jesus is the Messiah. And they would say, another kook, another... No-. I didn't care. I was so excited. I would tell everyone that Yeshua, Jesus is the Messiah. I rejoiced. When you find a Messiah, you got to rejoice. I was rejoicing. Someone told me Billy Graham was a believer. I didn't know. I said, he's one of us. I was so excited. <laughs> I rejoiced. See, when you find the Messiah, these guys here, they rejoiced. That's what people do. There's this one Jewish woman years ago, I love to tell it, uh, Kathy, she came out to, she called me on the phone. She was very upset with us. She said, my son's interested in Jesus, Yeshua. And she says, I'm very upset. I want to talk to you. I want to give you my, a piece of my mind. Said, okay. You want to come to my office? No, 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 no. I need someplace neutral. I said, okay, okay. You don't want to come to the congregation? How about my office? No, no, no. More neutral. I said, okay. How about Starbucks? All right. So we met. We came to Starbucks. And I remember sitting there for three hours, giving her Micah 5, 2, Isaiah seven fourteen, Isaiah chapter 53, Daniel. And after three hours, she was very, very interested. I said, would you like to pray and ask the Messiah right now into your heart, right here in Starbucks? She was real close. She goes, well, I'm not ready. Not yet. I said, well, when you do pray though, I want you to pray with me. Oh, I'm only going to pray with you. I said, would you like to come to Saturday service? She goes, sure. So she came on this Saturday right here and she sat over there. I know where you all sit. You all sit the same place. Occasionally so you, you throw me for a loop and you switch. But anyway, she sat right over there. And so I saw Kathy leaning forward. And I said, so today at the end of the message, I said, today you might be ready to receive the Lord. This is how you do it. You tell God you're a sinner. You believe Yeshua is the Messiah and He died for you and you receive Him into your life. I led in a prayer and I knew she did. So afterwards I walked up to her. I said, So today, did you pray and receive the Messiah? She goes, Well, I'm not ready. Not yet. I said, Well, when you do though, you're going to pray with me. She goes, Oh, I'm only going to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I said, Good. She came back the next week and she was sitting on this side. She didn't, you know, get, she wasn't settled yet. So she was sitting on this side and she, she moved forward in her seat and I saw she was ready to do it. So I said at the end of the message, I said, So today, you might be ready (laughs) to receive the Messiah. This is how you do it. And I went through the whole prayer again. This time I knew she did it. So I said, so did you pray to receive the Messiah? She goes, well, I'm not ready. Not yet. I said, well, when you do pray, oh, I'm only going to pray with you. I said, oh, very, very good. So I left her and a few minutes later, my mother-in-law walks up to her and said, so would you like to ask Jesus in your heart, You're show in your heart? She goes, sure. And she prayed to receive the (laughs) Lord. So I said, wait a minute, I thought you were going to do it with me. She goes, you want me to do it again? I said, no, one time you're in, it's good. (laughs) I said, but let me tell you what I do want you to do. Now that you've received the Messiah. I want you to pray again. Not to receive him. But to thank him and praise him. Because after you meet him, that's what you want to do. You want to thank him and praise him. I always do that. If, if Any one of you have ever prayed with me to receive the Lord? My mom, after she prayed with me to receive the Lord, I said, Mom, I want you to pray again. She goes, what for? I said, well, where's Yeshua? She goes, what do you think, I'm a dummy? I asked the man, he's in. I said, good, I know he's in. <laughs> I said, but I want you to pray again now. And she goes, what for? I said, I want you to thank him now for coming in. I want you to rejoice. That's what we do. We search for the Messiah, we find him, we rejoice. That's what they did and finally see. Not only do we we rejoice. They worship the king. Look in chapter 211. After coming into the house. They saw the child. They saw the child with Mary. Probably Miriam. Miriam his mother. And they fell to the ground. And they worshiped him. And opening their treasures. They presented to him gifts of gold. People guess. Maybe the gold stood for deity. We don't know. Frankincense. Maybe purity. Maybe. Myrrh. Symbolizing his death. We don't know. But the. The Magi who came from the East. By the way, how many were there? We don't know. Thank you. We don't know. Right. Okay. We do have their names, though. About six centuries later, the Catholic Church did give them names. I think it was Malchor, Balthasar, and Gaspar. Yeah, three names, right? And where did they get three? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's a guess. We don't know. But they gave gifts. They worshipped Him. You see, when we find Messiah, we should all search. Herod searched. Jewish people should have searched. The wise men searched. People today should be searching. When you find Him, you rejoice and give thanks. And now you worship Him. Look what it says. They fell down and worshipped him, giving gifts. Isaiah sixty, I'm sorry, Psalm sixty-eight predicted it. Look what Psalm sixty-eight says: "Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring gifts to you." It said, "This is the ancient literature they believed a Messiah was coming, and kings were going to come and worship him." Psalm seventy-two: "Let the kings of Tarshish and of the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts to the Messiah." This was written thousands of years before Messiah. And all the kings will bow down before him. All the nations will serve him. Isaiah chapter 60. Look what it says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Speaking of the Messiah. And the glory of the Lord has shone upon you. For behold, deep darkness is going to cover the earth. Deep darkness will all the people. And the Lord will rise upon you. And his glory will appear to you. Nations will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your rising. Then you will see and be radiant. And your hearts will... Thrill and rejoice because of the abundance of the seas. They will turn to you. The wealth of all nations will come to you. A multitude of camels will cover you. Young camels from Midian, Ephah, all those from Sheba will come. They will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. They said they will come and praise God and worship Him. We should also believe, receive, and worship the Messiah. When we find him, we should worship him. I told you the story of Rabbi Leopold Cohen, the founder of Chosen People Ministries. A Jewish rabbi had his congregation in Hungary. He came to believe that Yeshua was the Messiah. He worshipped him. Right up the road, there's a school called Talbot. There's a special Jewish center up at Talbot called Feinberg Hall. Chosen People have started a Feinberg Institute. Whenever you go up there, that's what you hear. Feinberg, Feinberg, Feinberg. Who is this? Feinberg. Well, I had the privilege of taking Dr. Charles Lee Feinberg around Dallas for a conference. I drove him. I was back in 1981, 1982. I was a young believer, almost just about 10 years. And I took Charles Lee Feinberg around. Who was this man? Well, back in 1915... He was a yeshiva student. He was probably one of the most brilliant Jewish students, maybe in thousands of years. He was a Talmudic scholar. He studied the Talmud. He knew all kinds of languages. This man read the Bible four times a year. I'm not sure if he read it in Hebrew, but he knew everything. This man was so brilliant. He sat in the backseat of my car. He was older already, memorizing the Bible. But in 1915, Believers were scared to death to go near him. He knew every language, ancient language. He was so brilliant. But someone dared to share their faith with Charles Lee Feinberg. Someone from Chosen People Ministries in Pittsburgh. And Charles Lee Feinberg could tear anybody apart with the languages. He came to believe that Yeshua was the Messiah. Jewish, rabbinic, Talmudic scholar. He's written many, many books. He's since gone to be with the Lord. But this man came to worship his Messiah. Don't let anyone ever tell you Jewish people don't believe in Yeshua. They do believe in Yeshua. They do. They found him and they worship him and they rejoice. Another great famous Jewish scholar by the name of Rachmiel Friedland. Some of you don't know Rachmiel. I knew Rachmiel. Rachmiel was another brilliant Talmudic scholar came to faith as well he wrote a book in the, from during the Holocaust when being Jewish was a crime Rachmil came to believe that Yeshua was a Messiah all religious Orthodox Jewish people that have come to believe in their Messiah because the birth of Messiah is a Jewish message you know Arnold Fruchtenbaum Jewish guy Actually, he was led to faith by someone from chosen people ministries at all as well. Michael Rydelnik, Jewish people. Jewish people worship their Messiah. Two thousand years ago we conclude the angels worshiped Messiah. Look, Luke two, and the angel of the Lord stood above these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened, the shepherds. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news good news of a great joy which will be for all the people for today in the city of David Bethlehem good old days there's been born for you a Messiah a Savior who is the Messiah of the Lord and suddenly there appeared the angel, uh, angel of, uh, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts multitudes of multitudes praising God because the Messiah would be born a Jewish man in the temple by the name of Simeon there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel, the Redeemer, the hope of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until the Messiah would come. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Yeshua, to carry out the custom of the law, then he took this child into his arms and blessed him and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bond servant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I love the stories. In chapter 2. of The people who worshipped the Messiah. There was a prophetess. A woman by the name of Anna. Daughter of Phanuel. Tribe of Asher. At that very moment. She came up and began giving thanks. Continued to speak of him. To all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Jewish people have found the Messiah. It is. I don't mean to sound anti-Gentile. The birth of Messiah is a Jewish message. For our people. As well as the Gentiles. We see probably one of my favorite words in scripture. The apostles and the disciples. Look what it says. John 1 41. He found first his own brother Simon. And he said to him. We have found the Messiah. If you have found the Messiah. I want you to say that with me. Now, Don't fake it if you haven't. You can just now mal- pretend. Everyone right here. We have found the Messiah. That's amazing. Isn't it? My whole life has drastically changed. Every morning when I pray with my cup of coffee and I get all excited thinking about the Lord. He found me. I didn't deserve it. I did nothing for it. I still have done nothing for it. He gets all the honor and the glory. We have found the Messiah. He allows us to even say that because he found us. We have found the Messiah. Look at these words. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found that him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found the Messiah. It's a great story. Wise people should still seek him today. Finding the Messiah should cause us to believe, receive, and worship him. I do believe all people everywhere should be seeking Messiah whatever their reasons how long will it take when you find him you will rejoice you have to you will worship him when you come to realize yeshua is the hope the answer for all mankind let's bow together for a word of prayer father thank you today for your goodness to us we thank you for this time of the year that as we've just a couple weeks ago celebrated hanukkah as you delivered our people Preserve the nation of Israel. From that nation came the Messiah. As predicted in the scriptures. Because of him. You allowed us to search for you. And find you. And worship you. That's our heart's desire today Lord. That all people might come to faith in Yeshua the Messiah. Jewish as well as non-Jewish. We want to commit this to you. We thank you for it. We ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.